I say with faith, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you should be Matthew 20, Matthew 20, New King James Version, verse 25 and 26. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise great authority over, or exercise authority over them. Yet, somebody say yet. yet. Yet it shall not be so among you. Hold on to that thought. But whoever desires, somebody say whoever, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Let her be your servant. Let them be your servant. Amen? You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our fourth uh, and and, uh, final sermon in this little series that we have a theme uh, of the year, and we're talking about the year of great stewardship. And uh, we've been subtopicing this part of serve your way uh, to greatness. And today, uh, you know, we're going to wrap this up and, and see what the Lord take us uh, in this message. You know, so when we look at the word serve, we say a serve is to wait upon uh, or to care for someone, to perform duties of service for another. And we say when it comes to ministry, it is it's service that is done for God's glory and the benefit of others. And we're saying that uh, in Jesus' kingdom, you know, uh, service consists of doing rather than just being. Specifically, Christ is concerned that we do for others just as well as we do for ourselves. And sometimes we do for others in spite of ourselves. Amen. And so, therefore, that's when we can define how great is our service and how great we are in God's kingdom. Now, Jesus did not condemn your desire to improve your station or position in life, but he did teach, and we're going to take a closer look at that today, that in his kingdom, you know, your greatness would not be determined by your status, but it would be determined by your service. Amen? Now, last week we took a look at Matthew uh, and how he captured the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And that revealed to us that God's grace is, is continuously. And God is continuously extending grace to us in spite of our state or stage in life. And so we must understand and consider that all of us are equal when it comes to grace. No one is better or less than because they've been saved longer or they accepted the call on their life earlier or later in life. Sometimes I think we think that because we accepted Christ early, anybody who came after us, you know, don't get the same level of grace. And then uh, it don't make no difference whether you get to the end of your life. Surely God would want us to work and serve him while we have health and strength. But even if some people wait to the end of their lives, I believe God is still extending grace. Amen. So today we're going to begin in, in somewhat of a similar parable, but it's from the Apostles Luke perspective. And, and we'll close by going back to Matthew chapter 20. So if you do have a Bible, 
or whether an uh, app on your phone, uh, go to Luke chapter 14. Let Luke chapter 14. And when I start reading, I'll uh, read from the New Living Translation. And I want you to realize that as you serve the Lord by reaching out to others uh, to come and accept his invitation of salvation, you know, some people are going to make excuses. Amen. And, 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 and you got to accept that. But it's important for us to understand that when we make excuses when we are trying to avoid doing something, I think when we look back over our lives, all of us have made excuses. Amen. All of us have made excuses. So I want to encourage you that because you reach out to someone and they come up with an excuse why they can't do this or can't do that, don't believe that God has taken them off the radar. You still have an obligation to reach out to them again in spite of their excuses. Amen. You know, nowadays, the people playing the church against the church by saying, hey, you know, those Christians are like that. That's why I don't want to come to church. That's an excuse. And, and what we have to do is learn how to deal with those excuses in a way that we are not offended by people's excuses, but at the same time, we got to let them know that weak excuses when it comes to your salvation is not a good excuse. Amen. So in this chapter, Jesus had been invited to a dinner. Uh, by a leader of the Pharisees. And, and, and at that dinner, he had healed a, a man that was sick, but he healed him on the Sabbath. And, and the religious leaders understood that to be unlawful. In other words, Jesus broke the law by doing that. Now, after Jesus had justified himself, you know, he justified why he healed the man, he noticed that all who had come to the dinner were jockeying for position to sit in the seat of honor at the head table. So what I see here is that, you know, Jesus know how to read the room. I mean, he can look out there and see what's going on in the room. And I tell people, if you're going to stand up here, you got to know how to read the Because the room will talk back to you. The room will let you know whether or not you're on point, off point, or whether they're even still with you at all. The room. So I, so I encourage some of you young people, when you're standing up before people, learn how to read the room. Amen. And, 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 and Jesus did just that. So as he saw them jockeying for position, he used that as a moment to teach them about humility. And one of the things he said, you know, hey, look, when you go to the banquet, take the lowest seat. And then, you know, if the rich guy who's holding the banquet invites you to the head table, you're there for good. But if you just go up there and invite yourself, there's a possibility he may have somebody else keep on sitting in that seat, and now you're going to be embarrassed. Because you got to go back to the back of the room, last seat, take the seat. So he said, better start off back there and let him bring you up. In other words, he was trying to teach them to be humble. Because he was letting them know that if you humble yourself, in due time you will be ex. Exalted. But that goes against our natural way of thinking. We think we have to exalt ourselves in order to be seen. Sometimes you can be seen in your humility. Amen. And, and so as they was jockeying, Jesus took that time to teach them about humility. And, and he turned to the host and said, you know, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't just invite your friends. 
your brothers, your relatives, and your rich neighbors. For they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, sometimes invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. In other words, Jesus says, sometimes you've got to do something for people who can't do nothing for you in return. Amen. And so that prompted a man at the table to speak out loud in response to Jesus' comments. So Jesus now take the opportunity of the feast. In other words, he take this motif of the feast that they're at to teach them a lesson about invitation. Amen? And so if you all in the book of Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 15, he says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus explained, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. No doubt that was a Pharisee. And their mindset was because of who they were and of their heritage in Judaism that they automatically had a seat at the table. So he wanted to celebrate that, hey, by heritage, by my religious privilege, by my rights, I got a seat at the table just because of how I was born. And the fact that I was born in a Pharisaic family and it was passed down to me, I got a right to be at the table. But Jesus kind of correct his misunderstanding of his status and position. And as I told you, Jesus never hit you hard at first, but his little stories have a way of breaking you down. Amen? So what he does now, he tells this story. And look at this in verse 16. This is a divine preparation. He says, now look, Jesus replied with this story. A man, in this parable, God, prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Somebody say many invitations. See, when, you, when he sent out the invitation, that is you like, you know, getting that save the date or reserve a seat notice in the mail. And when you send that back, people believe you coming. So when you send something back and people start making preparation, they're making preparation based upon your, your sending that back. So now he sent this message out to the people, and it was many invitations. And see, the thing about it, it's rude not to respond to the invitation. But if you do, based upon the culture of that time, let me give you just a natural example. You got the invitation in March, but the event is in November. You're supposed to go to November and put the event on your so that you don't make a mistake and put two things on the same day. Now, he didn't give them the time of the event, but he said on this day, mark it off. So by virtue of you sending me that invitation back, I'm assuming, Brother Wilson, which could be bad, that you done marked that date off. And it don't make no difference whether I call you at 5 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 12 o'clock in the day. Say, hey, Brother Wilson, it's time, man. All you got to do is show up. Because if you had not answered the first call, I wouldn't even be expecting you. But since you are RSVP, 
I'm extra. And if you don't show up, and I don't spend thousands of dollars to show you a good time, I'm going to have attitude. Some of y'all done just told folk y'all going to show up their event and you didn't. And, and they just may put you out on blast on, on Facebook. Because you offend people when you don't show. Especially if you led me to believe you was. Oh, Lord, help me right here. So somebody say, send out what? Many invitations. Somebody say, many invitations. Now look at this. Verse 17 says, when the banquet was ready, somebody say ready. So first he sent out an invitation, but when it's ready, he sent his servant. He said, now when the banquet is ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come. The banquet is. Your seat is already there. You told me you was coming. Now I done sent my servant. Some say, you know, symbolically you can tie this to the fact that you know, John the Baptist was the one that carried the message of, hey, everything is ready. The Messiah is coming. Now, all you Jews need to accept the message that I got for you. But then he's going to find out that some of them rejected the message. And so he used this example of how some people is going to reject the invitation. Somebody say, they begin all. Somebody say, they all begin making excuses. Don't be too hard on them. You know, when we were secular, we had sayings for excuses. Excuses are like everybody got one. Don't y'all get too holy on me right there. Because even the world knows it's not a good thing to make an excuse when you have committed to do so. So they began to make excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Now, the field already yours. You don't already pay for it. It's going to be there after dinner. It ain't going... That let me know, excuse don't have to make sense. It's just an excuse. And a lot of times, excuses are cloaked in lies. But sometimes, you may tell an ex- make an excuse, and it could be the truth. Because that's what you want to use to make an excuse for where you're supposed to be. So, but a piece of land should not be put on the same plane as your salvation. Because when you die, you can't take it with you, and somebody else going to own it. Amen. So that's what happened with people today. A lot of times now, people are making excuses. Why they don't need Jesus. Why they don't need to get saved. Why they don't need God's grace. Some of us made excuses for a long time. You didn't just get here on the first invite. Most of y'all didn't get here on the first invite. It took some several invites to get y'all in the church, to get y'all in the body of Christ. Can I get an amen from Brother Anthony over here? Because I know I ain't just making stuff in line. 
Amen. You're here now. You don't got past your excuse. Let's just celebrate the fact that you're here. But, but there's some people out there who are, who are in the same place that you were. Making, ex- making excuses. Then another said, I have just bought five pair of oxen. <laughs> Business affairs. And I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Again, they're your oxen. You know what you bought them for. If you ain't going to finna eat them, you're going to plow the field with them. The field will be there tomorrow. Amen. So your new whip is not an excuse to not come to church. I got a new whip. I got to go test it out. Well, you should have tested out before you paid for it. So that when you come off the lot, you done did all the testing you need, and now I can bring you to church. But we're talking about oxen here. And I figure I'd throw the whip in there because ain't none of y'all got no ox right now. And so y'all say, well, he ain't talking to me. I'm talking to you. <laughs> so he said, please excuse me. Then we see the last guy say, another said, I have a wife now. I was married. <laughs> so I can't come. What? She already yours? She going to be there tomorrow? In fact, why don't you bring her with you? I'm pretty sure the banquet host wouldn't mind you bringing your... See, I know guys now who won't bring their wife to church with them and come they, like, you know... I just don't want to leave my wife. She ain't gonna do it. Well, you leave her to go to your party with your boy. When y'all go to the cigar bar, you don't take her. You don't make no excuse. Well, you know, I just got married. You know what? The boy said, we meet tonight. You leave her at home for that. But here, you can at least bring her. Amen. The boys will have a problem if you show up at the cigar bar with your wife. Now, in this time, it was customary the law allowed you not to do anything for one year if you were the newlywed. But it was for war. You could not go to war because they didn't want you to get killed before you could have some children. So that would have been a good excuse if that was the case. But he wasn't drafted to go to war. He just made a weak excuse. But look at this, verse 21, anger, divine anger. Y'all better get off the mist if you think that God don't get mad. Amen. Look at verse 21, he says, The servant returned return and told his master what they had said. His master was, somebody said, furious. furious. That, you know, furious means, you know, you kind of upset. Real upset. Real mad. I don't spend all that money on this banquet. And them rascals didn't even have the courtesy to let me know in advance. They wait till the dinner is prepared, Pee Wee. The caterer done already been paid. 
the hotel bill for renting the room is already in Pee Wee now they call you and say, I ain't coming. And when the man give you the bill, you look at it and say, I could have cut this bill by 20 or 30 percent. If I had known the rascal were. So the point I'm trying to get you to see is that no excuse is good enough when it comes to your salvation. Jesus know you're married. And having him in your life ought to make your marriage better. Amen. I believe your wife or your husband would have understood if you said, hey, I'm going to a banquet with the master. And it's only going to be two or three hours. And I'll be back. Maybe even better, like I said. Let me just ask the master, can you come with me? Because he is a family man. He created this institution we call marriage. Pretty sure he wouldn't have no problem with me bringing my Somebody said a weak excuse. And so when he returned, he was furious. Now look at this. He says, now go quickly. Somebody said go quickly. See, when people turn you down when it comes to the gospel, you don't need, after you get past the fact that you've been rejected, you got to go quickly. There's somebody else out there that needs to hear what you got to say. So now look, he says, go quickly into the street. Somebody say the street. You see, you're going to a different class of people when you go to the See, them streets is different from just being in the hood. See, I was born and raised in the hood, but I didn't work well in them because there were certain games played out in them that you need to know how to play if you're going to get out there. You know, the drug game was out there. The prostitute pimp game was out there. The gambling game was out there. There was all kind of games in them. And guess what? Those games still exist, not just in the hood, in, in them streets. They're on Wall Street in them streets. They're in Hollywood in them streets. There are some people who's out there in them, and they need to hear Jesus too. They need to hear about him. So sometimes you got to get out there in them. Don't put yourself in no harm's way, but you got to get used to them. Lisa know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Somebody say them streets. See, some of y'all don't understand that you were never in them. You didn't even live in a neighborhood that was considered them. So you right now, you're not connecting because you don't know what it's like. And you'll have a hard time trying to go and get somebody out of them streets when you always look down on them. Thought you was better than them. So when the master tell you to go quickly in them streets, some of y'all may stutter. Back up and say, look, you want me to go there? <laughs> I ain't never, you know, I live in this city. I ain't never been in that block. Because I know what happens in them. <laughs> but the master going out there into the streets, Charlie. We done already sent the invitation to the houses and they turned me down. Now let's just go out to the It's time for the church to get out of them. We spend too much time here in the palace getting the word, but we scared to go out in them. 
your job could, could be them streets. Because there's some folks doing some crazy stuff that you wouldn't do on your job because they out there in them. The streets ain't for everybody. If you're scared, just say you're scared. Tell the Lord, Lord, I'm scared. I ain't, I ain't going out there to them. I ain't going to them streets. You you gonna have to send me out to the you know to the suburb. I ain't going to them. I, I just ain't, I ain't going. But you know, maybe some of and I said I was not truly in them streets like that. But maybe some of you who are in them like that need to go back to them streets and let people know that the Lord done. And then if you know I'm scared, just come get Pastor Bowles. I'm going to go to the streets. And as long as you're with me, you're going to be all right in them. Because everybody in them streets know me. They know what I used to do when I was in them. So I still got street cred and I got respect from them. So you're going to be all right if you're scared. Just come go with Somebody say them streets. I didn't know I was going to stay there, but the master said, go quickly. Don't hesitate. Don't be afraid. Go quickly into the and the alley. <laughs> Boy, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, y'all will go down the main street where the lights are, but when he tell you to go into the Oh, ain't no telling what you're going to find when you go into the alley. You know, some of y'all from the big city, you know, you, you wonder, how do you put two buildings that close and leave this little bit in? And you know, in that alley, man, you get hemmed up in the alley because some of them alleys don't have a one way in and one way. But the person you're looking for is sitting down there at the end of the... And you want to minister to them from 100 yards away. Hey! The Lord want to talk to you, but you're afraid to go in there. And then we come to church and say, I got the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. But when you get to there, he just wither up and don't do nothing. And Alice of the town. And then he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In other words, invite those people who are less fortunate than you are. Those people who got issues, got cares that, that are being unmet by the world. That's what the church is for, to help those people through those tough times so they can look at life from a whole new perspective. But it's not going to happen if we distance ourselves from the same people that the Lord is sending us to. them streets. I don't know if Fort Walton Beach, Pee Wee, they got in the alleys right here. <laughs> they got some alleys They got some alleys Lisa called out for the alleys there. They got some alleys right here too. They just got them streets. But, but they got some, some alleys. And, and, and once you go into the alley, every town you go, every city you come from, some of y'all come from places, you know everything was an alley. Amen. You know, some just came from some bad places. But you're here now. And you can relate to those people who are still in those places. 
don't forget where you come from. I'm not telling you to go back and do what you did when you was there, but go back and believe that you can pull somebody else out of what you was in. Now look at this. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. Wow. Look like you just can't exhaust heaven and God's grace. No matter how many people you reach out to, there's still room for more. There's still room for more. So look what his master said. He, this time he said, now look, the folks that's on the street, they're easy to find. Some folks you just got to search for. Amen. Amen. So look at like he upgraded this thing a little bit. He says now, so his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house, so that the house will be. Now, this time, it looked like you got to on purpose diligently search some people out. That's why he says, seek and save the law. They ain't going to just come to you. Sometimes you got to get out into the countryside. He's taking this search and this desire to have more people in his kingdom wider. So he done went from, the, you know, the city to the hood, the street, to the hedges, the highways, and the byways, and now he's even out in the country. There's some farm up there in Baker that needs to know about Jesus. In the country. Some of y'all came out there. And once you got out of the country, you ain't want to go. There's somebody who's still pumping water. Y'all don't even know what that is. Some of y'all young for what? Pumping who? Pumping. You know, before y'all were born, you know, everybody, you know, didn't have running water. It was only when you came to the city that you got running water. I remember a little boy going to the country and had to pump water and then drink it. No, man, I ain't drinking nothing come out the ground. No, I don't grow my man. No, 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 no. I see stuff, the little, little stuff float around down in there. Well, if you don't drink it, you ain't getting no water. Because this is the only water <laughs> that you're going to get at. So I got used to that iron taste real quick. So some of y'all are blessed. You can't even relate. Because you buy your water in a bottle. Well, take that high-class bottle and use it to minister to other folk, to minister to other folk who drink their water out of high class. You hang out at the places where everybody, you know, mingle now, and everybody's on this net and that net, and they just lounging there. Well, take yourself there and minister to someone who may need to know because part of being a servant is to reach out to others and serve them until they understand what grace is all about. So he says, and urge. Now he used that word urge. Urge means that now this is beyond just a casual ask. When you're urging somebody, I mean, you are making an effort in pleading with them as if you're trying to convince them beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I got, you really need. 
See, sometimes casually you walk by people, hey, you want to go to church, you want me to talk, you want to talk about Jesus, you want to know something about the Lord, da-da-da. Oh, that's casual. But when you're going to urge somebody, you got to get down on their street with them because you got to be ready to knock down every excuse they got. Everything they say, you got to have an answer for. When they start questioning your faith and why even believe in a God, you got to urge them in spite of what they're saying, you got to stay the course. And you got to be committed because that's a lost soul that needs to know who Jesus is. And I, look here, I'm going to give him my best shot. I'm going to give her my best shot. They need to hear me urge. I need to beg. I need to plead with them. You just don't understand what you're doing by accepting this invitation. This invitation can make your life better. I know you don't see it now, but this is where you're going to have to trust me. I was sitting just where you used to be. But someday, someone came to me and urged me to get up and make a change in my life, and now I'm the result of someone urging. Urging me to go to church. Begging me to go to church. Begging me to go to Sunday school. When I had all kinds of excuses, I'd been out all night long. I ain't getting up at 8.30 in the morning to go to no Sunday school. But that person kept urging. Kept begging. I'm not able to drive. I'll come pick you up. Urging me. I'm going to call you at 7 o'clock, and I'll be there. He took every excuse that I had away, and finally I had to say, okay, man, look here, look, I got a car. In fact, I got two. I'll just follow you to church. He could have gave up on me. But he didn't. And look where I am now. Standing here urging others to reach out and accept Jesus. When he was reaching out to me, I was knee-deep in gambling, man. I just loved it. I talked to y'all about my testimony. I just loved it. Me and gambling got along good. I couldn't afford to go to Vegas, but I could show gamble on some football, basketball, baseball, you name it. I could gamble on it. Pee-wee, I had the numbers to these companies that you called, and they give you your percentages of winning. You pay them $50, they'll tell you how you can make $100, and you just follow their tips. I used to get the injury report. Who ain't playing this week? Who hurt? Because based upon that, the spread going to be a certain way, and now I can bet against the spread. Because I know Major ain't playing this week, and Major good for at least one touchdown. And the spread is only three points? Hey, them three points may stand. Because Major ain't... I was educated in that stuff. I mean, I knew how to do it. So when I meet someone who say they can't get over gambling and don't know how to stop that, you need to talk to me. Because now I can go to Vegas where my daughter and them live and have no desire. No desire. No desire to do that. Because the Lord, the Lord delivered me from that. So my, my vice wasn't running the street late at night. I wasn't no big time party. So you ain't gonna hear no party testimony out of me. I was a wallflower at the party. I just went to hang out. I, I wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't my doggish friend. I had some dogs running with me now. And them boys were dogs. They were serious. D-double-O-Gs. Dogs. I was a puppy compared to them. But I loved gambling. And so when I found something I loved that I can do from home, I just did that. Didn't see nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. For me, gambling is a sin. For you, it may not be because I know where it had me when I gave it up. 
And so what I'm trying to tell you, there are people out there who's in these places, and God says, some of them, you got to urge to come. And sometimes your testimony is what's going to urge. They don't want to hear the fabricated you, the new you. All of you got the new you testimony. They want to know how you got from the old you to the new you. They want to know just how bad you are, because if you've been delivered from the old you, you ain't got no problem talking about the old you. But if you're still caught up in the old you, you can't testify about what God done brought you from. But if you've been delivered, you ought to have the guts and you ought to have the strength to tell somebody else, this is what the Lord did for me. And if he would do it for me, he would do it for you, and you need to make sure that you don't turn down this invitation. I'm urging now. I'm pleading now. You know, sometimes, Major, you just got to beg, folks. And some of us, it's, too, it's beneath us to beg. I got to beg somebody to accept you. Yes. Yes. That's the level that the Lord wants you to go to to bring others to this banquet. Because he says, look, I want you to urge anyone you can find to come so that my house will be I don't want an empty seat in my house. And even if somebody else comes, there's always room for. Then he goes back to the same point he made last week in verse 24. For none of those I first invited would get the smallest taste of my banquet. All them rascals who turned down my invitation thumb that nose up at me, one day they're going to want to eat. And they ain't going to taste. Some of y'all say, y'all say, you know, how many of you know you got your seat already? Is there anybody here that know you got your seat already at the banquet? So no matter when he call you home, you already got your seat. Your seat is reserved. I mean, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Somebody ought to clap loud enough. You, if you're in doubt, I need to stop right here, and we need to have an invitation right now. So if you know you got your seat, that ought to be your testimony. Hey, my name is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life, so it don't make no difference what happened to me, when it happened, because I know what my name is recorded, and because of that, I want your name there. The gospel is supposed to be a clarion call for all to hear. But we must understand that even though all may hear, all will not receive. The Bible says God's desire for all to be saved. But God went, it looked like Brother Wilson, he went against his own logic when he gave you a choice. If, he was his, if it was his will for everybody to be saved, he shouldn't have gave us a so even though it's his desire, it's his will, he still wants you to make a, and with, that's what we got to tell people, hey, the choice is yours. But I have an obligation to present to you everything that you need to know to make the right. Go back to our text in Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to take a close look at our text from a deeper perspective and find out what prompted Jesus to talk about greatness in his kingdom. Now, Jesus was having a private discussion with his disciples where he had already predicted them about 
his death in Jerusalem. And he let them know that someone was going to betray him, and eventually the religious leaders would turn him over to the Romans. And so knowing that he was going to be put to death, and he had previously taught his disciples in the other chapter about establishing a kingdom, and each one of them would have a seat over the 12 tribes. So now, hearing that, someone got in the mix somehow. Two of the boys' mama must have overheard the conversation or figured that, hey, you know what mama would want to speak up for the boys? Especially you know that your speaking for them on their behalf may get them a better place in life. Amen. So this mama said, hey, look, I got two of my boys that run with you, and I want to respectfully ask you to consider them to sit on your right side and on your left side when you come back in your kingdom. Now, she's thinking like the Romans were thinking, that, hey, this is going to be an earthly kingdom, temporal man. Yeah, I want my boys at the head table sitting at the right side and the left side. And I ain't too proud to go and ask on there. But the thing she went wrong with, Brother Moe, she let them other ten rascals here. And they couldn't handle that. So them boys got indignant. Jesus follower. People have been taught by him to be humble. But when they heard that someone was trying to get a one-up on them, Someone was trying to get a, you know, an unjust, unjust favor, you know, trying to get put above them. <laughs> they went off, Pee Wee. They went back to their old nature. And they went so deep into it that Jesus had to stop right then and teach them about his kingdom. See, because that thing could be looked at two ways, Brother J.P., it could have been looked at that, you know, she was just too ambitious for her boys. And so, therefore, they may be a little jealous. because She just got out of her lane, all up in Jesus' face like that. But on the other side, could have been a little envy. Man, if we know that that door was open, we would have did the same thing. She was bold enough to go ask. We wasn't. But now because she asked, now we mad. Because if you thought if you thought the answer was going to be yes to that, you're going to say, man, I was thinking about that myself, but I didn't go. But she had the guts. To... So look at this in verse 20. Because people today, I hear a lot talk about what is unfair treatment. You know, any time someone thinks that you're going to be made equal with them, or you're going to be placed in a position above them, they are quick to say that is un... Some of y'all done probably played the unfair card. I've been here longer. I done worked harder. It's un... They get this little young pup right out of college. Don't know nothing. And his starting salary is more than mine. That's just un... So when people feel like they've been treated unfair, it's a possibility, Major, that they could get in indignant. Even Jesus' disciples 
walking with the master, seeing his miracles, they got in the flesh and got in. Look at this. So the mother, in verse 20, said, then the mother of Zebedee's son, that's James and John, came to him with her son, kneeling down and asking something from him. So ain't nothing wrong with a reverential respect and asking. Your only answer could be no. Just ask the question. Now look at this. Look at her personal petition. She said, now look. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Wow. You know, Jesus could have just flat out said, no, that ain't happening, but he kind of let her down easy by saying, now, do you really understand what you're asking for? See, sometimes people ask for something, and they don't realize what come along with the ask. You know, sometimes you can ask your boss, employee for more money, but you better find out what comes along with the, with the ask. Because sometimes we don't look at what's coming along with the ask, and sometimes we may have been just happier where we were. Because the ask got too much attached to it that you are not ready to submit to. So before you go in there, find out what the ask is going to be when you go there. So now look. He says, but Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So now Jesus talked about his suffering and the things that he was about to go through for mankind. And look how they responded. See, they didn't get it. He had told them all the things he was going to suffer, Brother JP, but still in their natural minds, they did not get the magnitude of what they was going to have to go through for being his follower. So they said to him, we are able. And this, it has that, you know, James was able because he was one of the first martyrs for the cause. John was able because he ended up banished on the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. So there were consequences for them following Jesus. But their mom asked the question. He says, Jesus then come back and say, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm a, that I am baptized with. But, he should have stopped right there. But, to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. He has a plan for how things are going to be laid out. And he already knows who's going to be on his right side and left side. I tried to allude to you one time that on one side it may be some goats and on the other side it may be some sheep. You just need to make sure which side you're going to be on when you get there. And your decision on where you're going to be when you get there is going to be based upon what you do with the invitation that you got. So he says, I don't have that to give to you. And now look at this. 
fleshly indignation, verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. And we was all together. We were buds. You know, we was the twelve. We was the first call. We was the twelve. And, and now these two rascals pushed their mama up to go and try to get the best seats in the house. Mm, mm, mm. Folks like that. You all right as long as you sitting in the same place they sitting there. But when the Lord bless you with a little bit of favor and you get promoted to the next level, there's going to be some people that going to have a... But if the right person then brought you up to the next level, it don't make no difference what they say. So Jesus was trying to let them know, hey man, to get you to that level, my father already have a plan in place, and I am not going to change. I love you boys. It's been rumored that they're part of my inner circle when I'm with them and Peter. You know, I done took them places that I didn't take the other one. But now when you ask for those two seats, those are not my seats to give. Now, and after that, when they was displeased, Jesus said, well, I guess I better call a meeting. Because if we don't call a meeting, you know, these righteous disciples of mine, them ten, may go put a whooping on, on them too. And it's a possibility. Because they're angry now. See, folk would do some strange things when they get angry, and it's fueled by jealousy. That's why you need to watch people demeanor when they are starting to get. Let me read on. Let me read on. Let me look. I don't want to get too serious right there. But Jesus called them to himself and said, this is where our text starts. Now you know why he said what he's about to say when you understand the story before. You know, give them a lesson, that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise great authority. In other words, those type of leaders, they want everybody waiting on them, and they don't do nothing for nobody else. They lord their position, their title, their status over everybody, and now people have to wait on them hand and feet. Everybody is subject to them. Where they are not subjected to anyone else. They have no obligation to help the members of their church. They have no obligation to do anything for their sheep. All they want is their sheep to take care of. And he said, that's not how it's going to operate in my kingdom. You're not in leadership in my kingdom for the people to just take care of. You're in leadership in my kingdom, he's telling them, so that you can take care of yourself and you got to take care of each other. That's how he taught this same lesson when he washed their feet and humbled himself to teach them this lesson of humility and how they would have to live. And Peter said, no, you ain't going to wash my feet. But when he explained, if I don't wash them, you ain't a part of me, Peter said, okay, I got it. 
And so what Jesus is trying to get them to see, guys, humility is going to take you a long way into my, in my kingdom, but you must understand that you must be willing to serve others. He says, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever, somebody say whoever. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your... Wow. Man, maybe if them boys' mom had known that, she would have said, I'm going to just sit back. Because them boys got to work for us. They're going to have to serve us. They're going to have to serve us. Let them other boys go and get to see because now they got to be... See, some of y'all love, not all, to be served. But it takes everything within you to serve somebody else. Especially someone that's in a different station or stage of life than you. I know a lot of wealthy people when it comes to doing what we do in the community, to the hunger, feeding the hunger, getting your hands dirty, they would rather throw money at us rather than come down and help us. Because some people just don't want to identify with some people at all levels of life. I hope none of you are like that. Because you're going to have to go out to them streets. You're going to have to go into the hedges and highways in order to serve people. So if you want to be great, become a servant. And you can serve your way to greatness. Look what he said in verse 27. And whoever, somebody say whoever. That means all of us. Any of you that want to be in this whoever, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your, some Bible say slave, but it means servant. Just as, just as the Son of Man did come to, didn't come, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Now I thought about that for a little bit as I get ready to take my seat. Look here. Normally when you hear ransom, you think about a hostage situation. And normally, whoever's holding someone hostage make a demand on what it's going to take for me to let your child go. So therefore, the enemy was holding Brother J.P. hostage. And Jesus now became part of the ransom deal. I will let Brother J.P. go. But in order to do so, you're going to have to give up your only begotten son. I don't believe many of us would have done that. I think we would be still held hostage right now. But God loved you so much that when the demand for you was so high that he was willing to pay for you with Jesus. And because you know what he paid for you and with whom he paid for you with, I hope I said that right, you ought not to live like you're still a slave like you're still being held hostage, like you're not able to be free because the Lord sent his son to set you free so that you can represent him in the earth. It's your 
responsibility to serve him now that you have been set if you got Jesus in your life, he should have freed you up from something so that you could now better serve others. God freed me up from gambling and hanging out in the clubs at night so that now I can do other things with that time and with my money that can help. And so what I'm telling you, God is speaking to some of your hearts today. He say, look, you have been held hostage long enough. I've already paid the price for you. All you got to do is start living and walking in the freedom that you have. And once you realize you're free, get out there to them streets and bring somebody else into my kingdom because there is still, there's still room. There's still room. It was wrong when you got in, someone brought you in. Can you imagine if they had been thinking that, hey, there's not another seat for Brother Wilson here? You got to experience people's hurt and where they are. They don't want to stay there. Most of them really don't. They just don't know the way out. And that's where you come in. Just remember that God paid the ransom you and then just go back now that you sanctify with your sanctified mind and look at all the things that was holding you don't forget about them those are experiences that you can use to help somebody some of them I know is painful to even think about what you did in your past but that's a moment of deliverance for you when you can share your past without pain. If it's still painful for you to deal with that, then you have not been set free from it. It's still binding you up. So now you need to plead the blood of Jesus to help you deal with your past. But if you've been set free from your past, let those past experiences bring others forward to where you are where you are now and I know many of you are free now all of us got memories they ain't going away and the enemy is not going to let you forget what that happened to you in your past but man it's a relief to know that no matter how much I think about my past I'm not ashamed of where God brought me from. Amen. Amen. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. And because I'm not ashamed of where he brought me from, I'm not ashamed of his gospel. And wherever he said need to go, we got to be willing to take it wherever it leads us. And I say to some of you, start with your family. Start with your family. Those are the easy targets. The people that you already know. Then work your ways to them streets. Unless you got some family members on them. You may be the only one in your family that can reach them. So be good stewards. Serve your way to greatness. 
All you got to do is serve, and you'll be great. You know, I look over this ministry, and I don't say this to slight nobody, but as a pastor, I know who the people in this church that I consider great based on that passage of Scripture. Because I know who serves. I know who got a heart for the sick and the shut-in. I know who got a heart for the homeless. I know who got a heart for their brothers and their sisters that are concerned about them. I know who got a heart for people that are less fortunate than themselves. Because they're serving their way to greatness in this ministry. And their service does not go unnoticed by me or by God. So I want to encourage those of you who are faithfully serving. Don't get weary while doing good. Because in due season, God is going to reward you. You're going to reap what you've sown. Keep sowing service. And those of you who are just now coming into the vineyard, start off serving. And you too, I believe God will elevate to a place of greatness in his kingdom. All because you serve. When you serve, you don't have to worry about being anonymous. People will know your So we've been called to serve. And there are opportunities in this venue or even on your job, wherever the Lord takes you. Just find a role where you can serve. Help somebody that can't do nothing for you in return. Nothing for you in return. Then your motivation for doing it will be pure. Befriend some people in your socials that you normally wouldn't even talk to. Give the Lord a hand, Calpre. I'm done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, we can praise him a little bit better than that. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, God. We want to be better servants, just like you, Jesus. 